does it matter if Adam was a historical person? Now, I could save you the trouble on this particular episode of giving an answer and tell you, yes, it does matter. And it matters not only if he was or not, but it matters that we maintain that he, in fact, was a historical person. Because if we don't, then essentially the entire Bible goes out the window. Now, people on the opposite side of that argument would listen to me say something like that, and they would conclude that I'm making a vast overstatement, and I'm making this way more extreme of a position than it should be. But I'd like to illustrate how we should arrive at this and why it really does matter. So, we should look to Romans chapter 5. Now, I'm not even going to make the argument here essentially by going to where Adam is actually found in Genesis 1, 2, 3, and following. But I'm going to look all the way to the New Testament to figure out how this actually works. So Romans 5, if someone is struggling as to whether or not we should accept Adam as historical or not, we should simply look at the logical flow of Paul's words in Romans chapter 5 as a great place to demonstrate that it is a closed-handed issue in my estimation. It's not an open-handed issue up for debate, but it is a closed-handed issue. Here's why. Paul's argument is predicated upon a one-to-one correlation of Adam and Jesus. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all, for that all have sinned. Romans 5.12, King James Version. While the historical approach to accepting the events of Genesis 1-3 through is debated, it is much more difficult to stay within the bounds of Orthodox Christianity while also debating a literal reading to Paul's epistle. A natural reading of Romans 5.12 teaches that sin is a present and universal reality, which begins with a personal reality for, quote, one man. And since death is the empirical demonstration of sin being in a person, and since every human has died throughout history, Jesus Christ accepted. It is Paul's argument that all have sinned, therefore all have died. So, if we deny the reality of a historical Adam, we first have to describe what the point of the genealogies are in the Old and New Testament. If Adam is not a historical figure, then we have to arbitrarily say, when the genealogies include Adam, that somewhere in there they move from non-historical, mentioning Adam, to historical by the end of them. I'm thinking, for example, of Genesis 5, which traces the genealogy of Noah back to Adam, First Chronicles chapter 1, which begins with Adam to establish a genealogy to Abraham and then all the way to King David, or Luke chapter 3, which actually gives Christ's genealogy. Now, this is very complicated because if Adam is not historical, either somewhere in the mix of those genealogies, it goes from non-historical to historical, or we would have to actually maintain that you have to take or leave anything. 
So if Adam's not historical, and we don't want to sound outlandish by saying that a genealogy can get from non-historical with Adam to historical people, then we have to make good on our claim that Adam is not historical by actually saying that the entire Bible is not historical. But people aren't willing to do that if they want to at least stay within the bounds of traditional orthodoxy. So instead, what they do is they will just rest in some kind of inconsistency. But again, it just doesn't work when you're looking at these genealogies. Back to Romans 5, Paul makes a necessary correlation in there between who Adam was, who we are as humans, the reality of sin in our lives, and the rescue that is only found in Jesus Christ. In other words, the historicity of Adam is a full encompassing part of the whole discussion of what we believe about man, anthropology, what we believe about sin, hamartiology, and what we believe about salvation, soteriology. The whole argument comes crashing down to a strange point of ambiguity if we work on the premise that Adam was not historical. And I think in this consequence, the whole issue of of salvation and how we are to understand sin becomes ambiguous as well. And so I hope you understand at least at the outset how big the stakes really are here when we're dealing with this issue. And no doubt this is a huge issue when you actually do try to work within the framework of Genesis because there have been for essentially 200 years now Uh, pretty severe arguments, not only about the historical reliability of the Bible, which has been going on for well before 200 years from now, but the potential role of what we're to do with evolution. Now, I do not embrace any form of evolution in speaking of the creation account, because obviously that's a contradiction of terms. We can't speak of a creation account and speak of evolution. You also get into problems when you start talking about theistic evolution, which is somehow God, who is presumed to be creator, overseeing an evolutionary process, but evolution in its kind of main understanding is in contrast to creation. The reason I'm even bringing all of that up, which could be an entirely other episode in and of itself, is because of the issue that it raises with what are we supposed to do with these genealogies and the teaching that mankind descended from Adam and Eve, two distinct singular persons, if we're going to also try to maintain this idea of evolution that has really been thrust upon the mainline denominations in American Christianity for the last several decades. And so you see a lot of people caving here and at least trying to deal with this issue by saying, well, it really doesn't matter if Adam was historical. It doesn't matter if every account in the Old Testament, be it the flood, be it the plagues in Egypt, it doesn't really matter that those are historically situated. What matters is the theological lesson in there. And you see that kind of thing in liberal theology again and again. The problem with this liberal tradition, what you'll normally hear with dismissing Adam as a historical figure, is they'll say, well, Adam 
is depicted for us in Genesis 1 and following, not to be a historical figure, but to be a representative of mankind as a type of symbol. You hear that in Karl Barth's theology, the father of neo-orthodoxy, and all of the subsequent liberal traditions that are still thriving. I use that loose that term loosely because they're not thriving, they're dying off. And the problem with that is, okay, if Adam is supposed to be a symbol, what about Eve? Because it's not just Adam in the account of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, but it's also Eve. So what are we to make of her? It seems like forcing Adam to be a figure of mankind either eliminates Eve's relevancy altogether, or it would force us to understand the depiction of marriage as a clue that Adam could only be symbolic in representing males, Eve would be symbolic in representing females, and then we have to do all this interpretive gymnastics only for the sake of denying that Adam was historical. So there's a huge effort that you have to do in order for this to take place. I leave you with this consideration that Philo, one of the most well-known Jewish allegorical interpreters alive during the time of the Apostle Paul and his writings have largely survived to this day. You can actually find the works of Philo. Um, I have a pretty massive book on my bookshelf, The Works of Philo. have not read all of it because it is double column and it is hundreds and hundreds of pages with the double column taking into account. So the text is very small. But I do find it fascinating that Philo, who is understood in large measure to be one of the fathers of interpreting the Bible allegorically, so that would be in contrast to literal, is that when he deals with the creation account, there is no reason in his interpretation to downplay the historicity of Adam. Now, I think that's really interesting because if anybody had a reason to deny Adam as historical in favor of him being some kind of an allegory or some kind of a symbol, it would be none other than the father of allegorical interpretation, Philo. But he doesn't do this. And so if he's willing to grant that Paul that Adam is a historical figure, not just a concept, not just a representative, but actually historical as the Bible depicts, then there's no reason that we should want to go further than him.